You're listening to the Out Loud Bible Project podcast with Mike Dominey. Out Loud Bible Project is on a mission to read the entire Bible out loud in a conversational and approachable way, so you can recognize your part in this conversation between you and God. Welcome back to the Out Loud Bible Project podcast. Mike here. Just reading the Bible like it makes a difference. It's made a difference in my life. I hope it's made a difference in your life and will continue to as we read it together. So let's just read it like it matters, right? Paul uh, is here in the book of Romans. And he, as he's going along writing this, he, he suspects that maybe the Jews reading this letter might be feeling a little beat up. You know, he's writing to a mix of Jews and Gentiles, and he spent the last episode here, the last couple chapters, kind of leveling the playing field and saying, look, like, it doesn't matter if you were born a Jew and raised a Jew and in the Jewish tradition, following the law that God gave Moses, or if this is all completely new to you and all you know is Jesus died to save you from your sins, doesn't matter where you come from. (laughs) Jesus is the key to grace from God to allow you to have a relationship with God again. And he had to do quite a bit of unpacking and dismantling of the Jewish traditions. And so the Jews here probably are feeling a little bit beaten up as they read this. Uh, Like, because Paul's basically saying, hey, when it comes to earning God's favor, your traditions are useless. Just because you're God's chosen people doesn't get you extra credit. Your heritage isn't exclusive. Don't question God's reasoning and all these things. And we can appreciate the theology lesson that Paul lays out. But but really, it's it's we're at the point here where the Jews and maybe multiple people are asking, okay, but what's the point, Paul? <laughs> and so he ends chapter 11 here, we're going to get to, he ends chapter 11 with a declaration of praise to God, which, amen, everyone should be able to agree with. And then at the start of chapter 12, Paul pivots with a significant, therefore. Now, preachers will often joke that when you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself what it's there for. And in our case, we know that Paul is referring to the entire logical argument up to this point and then answering the question, so what does it all mean? Like, what are we supposed to do with this information, therefore? And the answer is highly practical and applicable. I'm excited about this one. Let's get into it with Romans chapters 11 and 12. I ask then, did God reject his people No, may it never be, for I also am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God didn't reject his people, which he foreknew. Or don't you know what the scripture says about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel, Lord, they've killed your prophets, they've broken down your altars, I am left alone and they seek my life. But how does God answer him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? That which Israel seeks for, that he didn't obtain? 
but the chosen ones obtained it, and the rest were hardened. According as it's written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear to this very day. David says, let their table be made a snare, a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see, always keep their backs bent. I ask then, did they stumble that they might fall? No, may it never be, but by their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if their fall is the riches of the world and their loss the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you who are Gentiles. Since then, as I am an apostle to Gentiles, I glorify my ministry, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and may save some of them. For if the rejection of them is the reconciling of the world, what would their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the first fruit is holy, so is the lump. If the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the root and of the riches of the olive tree, don't boast over the branches. But if you boast, it's not you who support the root, but the root supports you. You'll say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. True, by their unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by your faith. Don't be conceited, but fear. For if God didn't spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. See then the goodness and severity of God toward those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will be cut off. They also, if they don't continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of that which is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more will these, which are the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I don't desire you to be ignorant, brothers, of this mystery, so that you won't be wise in your own conceits that a partial hardening has happened to Israel." until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. Even as it's written, there will come out of Zion the Deliverer, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them, when I will take away their sins. Concerning the good news, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you in time past were disobedient to God, but now have obtained mercy by their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient that by the mercy shown to you, they may also obtain mercy. For God has bound all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past tracing out. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it will be repaid to him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good, well-pleasing, and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace that was given to me, to every man who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think reasonably, as God has apportioned to each person a measure of faith. For even as we have many members in one body, and all the members don't have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts differing according to the grace that was given to us. If prophecy... Let's prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. Or service, let's give ourselves to service. Or he who teaches, to his teaching. Or he who exhorts, to his exhorting. He who gives, let him do it with generosity. He who rules, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cling to that which is good. In love of the brothers, be tenderly affectionate to one another. In honor, preferring one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, enduring in troubles, continuing steadfastly in prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own conceits. Repay no one evil for evil. Respect what is honorable in the sight of all men. And if it's possible, as much as it's up to you, be at peace with all men. Don't seek revenge on yourselves, beloved, but give place to God's wrath. For it's written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We asked earlier, based on how chapter 12 starts, so what's it there for? All this talk about salvation by grace and faith, not by works or traditions, all this understanding that God will level the playing field for whomever he wants and we can't argue with him. Right now, after reading chapter 12, we know what it's there for. It's for our unity as believers. Don't do things the way the world does them. Use your God-given gifts to serve each other and build up the church. Love without hypocrisy. Cling to the good. Rejoice. Endure. Pray. Give. Bless others. Overcome evil with good. That's what it's there for. And that's what we're here for. 
That is the Thinking Out Loud thought for today. You've been listening to the Out Loud Bible Project podcast with Mike Dominey. When you become a patron of Out Loud Bible Project, you help make the Bible accessible for people who desperately need to know they have a role in this conversation with God. To learn more, visit outloudbible.com and click support this project. Thanks for listening.